0: You're listening to Rethinking It, conversations about changing our minds. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Stephanie Kerlick, a mindset and self-care coach reminding you to be kind to yourself and to take up space in your own life. Rethinking It is all about change, through intimate chats between just you and me, as well as honest and thought-provoking conversations with some of my favorite people, we'll explore how our behaviors and beliefs have changed over time. And as we're looking back at the moments and experiences of our lives, we'll also forgive ourselves for not knowing more or doing better. Here's the thing, we're usually just doing the very best that we can in any given moment, and everything changes, including us. Even in the moments when it seems impossible or we think we have it all figured out, We can change our thoughts, our actions, our choices, and our inner dialogue. But sometimes we need someone else to remind us that we can. This podcast is your reminder that you can continue to grow and learn and rethink it all. Welcome to the podcast, Hillary. I'm really excited about this conversation.
1: Me too. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. So um, the way this all came to be is a couple of months ago, I did a deep dive unintentionally on your blog. I just started reading one post and it led me to the next post. And before I knew it, hours had gone by. And I think I probably read everything you've ever written. Um, And I really just connected so much to many parts of your story that I'm hoping we'll explore Um, in this podcast, but your health journey and trying to reframe it for yourself and figure out how to be whole while also being ill. Um, And so I feel like I know probably way more about you than you know about me um, since
1: I've literally read everything. That is the highest of compliments. Thank you for taking the time. I mean, as you know, sharing online, it's such a, a vulnerable but also, healing modality. So, just so to hear that you took the time to read and, and take everything in means so much. So, thank you.
0: Well, thank you. Um, because I think, at least where I am in my, my health journey, and, and this is where I want to start with you, is sort of um, a summary of your health journey. I'll definitely link to the post where you explain in great detail. Yeah. Um, but I think where I am in my health journey is I need to feel connected with other people that have also struggled and are willing to not always wrap everything neatly in a bow. Like, yes, you can share lessons. Yes, you can share all of the good times, but are also willing to sort of peel back um, the curtain and really share what the struggle was like because I am in the struggle um, and it can feel really isolating. And so if you're just reading how everyone was, was healed and everything's great and lesson learned, um, it can feel um, even more isolating.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, that was honestly so much of the inspiration behind starting to open up and share because I was just searching online, like somebody, anybody, like what, what are you moving through? What are you feeling right now? What can I expect? Who can I connect with? And I just didn't really find it in the way that I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And I I knew it was out there. So it's like once you start sharing as you're doing on this podcast right now, um, you just start to connect with other people who get it.
0: Absolutely. Um, So could you take us a little bit back in your journey and sort of share um, how this all came to be? Yeah, definitely.
1: I um, I, am realizing now that I've dealt with health things, issues, experiences, um, pretty much my entire life. And I say that I'm just recognizing it now because it was just, it's always been the norm for me. And I didn't know anything else besides being sick. So growing up, I was just the one who was always allergic to things and constantly getting sinus infections and taking weeks, um, needing to be out of school for weeks at a time. And In 2007, I had a really massive double jaw surgery. And in doing the prep work for that and taking my blood and all that, they saw some things that looked off and immediately were like, okay, I think that she has leukemia. We need to do a bone marrow biopsy um, and do some testing for this. So at the time, I was 17 years old. And went in um, without warning for this awake bone marrow biopsy, and for anyone who's ever had a bone marrow biopsy knows it's a pretty scary and painful experience. Thank God that came back negative, but what happened was there was really no follow-up. So I just never had a lot of energy, as I said, always sick. Um, that was the norm for me. I moved to New York right when I finished high school and started. Um, at the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York. And I was interning and going to school and doing all the things and living my life and just kind of thought like, oh, like functioning at this sort of exhaustion level and needing to push my body is just what I need to do. And then uh, about two years into living here, going to school, interning at Teen Vogue and Starting to really immerse myself in the health, my health journey. Um, I started to get really sick. So I was like barely could get out of bed in the morning, bruises all over my body, my skin started turning yellow. It was just, I was, I was not doing great. And still, even with all that, I just started to shift the way I was functioning to adapt to that. Like I stopped taking the subway because I couldn't get up the stairs, and I started taking the bus. Like, no part of me was like, I need to go to the emergency room or I need to go to the doctor Mm. because I just, it's like, I'm just tired. I'm just, I live in New York and that's it. And um, that's just kind of the way that it is. So I also, um, side note, and you know, when you're explaining your health journey, you forget things, but I also was diagnosed with celiac. um, So I have some autoimmune stuff um, around the time of my jaw surgery. So that was also 2007. So again, Anyone who's familiar with autoimmune, like the exhaustion and things and the fatigue, it was just like, oh, this is normal. So it wasn't until I saw some family and they saw me and the color of my skin and what I looked like that they were like, you need to go to the emergency room right now. So I went to the health services at, at the Fashion Institute at FIT and immediately got a call like, do not take the subway, get in a car right now and come here immediately. So my hemoglobin was at a, like a four point eight at that point, which explained why I couldn't breathe. So that's how our we get oxygen in our blood, and explained my shortness of breath. And immediately, again, they're like leukemia. Like this is leukemia. We have to get her to the hospital. Um, my boyfriend at the time, my fiance now, immediately came, and I was admitted to the hospital for blood transfusions and platelet transfusions and. I'll never forget this. I went to the doctor immediately after uh, and he looked at my bone marrow and, and the blood results and he was like, you know, they're completely empty. My bone marrow looked empty and he was like, this is crazy. Worst case scenario is you'll need a bone marrow transplant, but I don't see that happening. So for me, I'm like, in my naivety, I just was like, you know, we'll get some blood transfusions and then I'll go back to school and go back to life. Mm-hmm. And it was just trying, and I actually like appreciate that naivety at now, experiencing so many years of like the just intense experiences of illness and trauma. So to make a very long story short and condense this into <laughs> just a couple of minutes, um, I I wound up getting more bone marrow biopsies. It was completely empty because my bone marrow was failing. So I was diagnosed with bone marrow failure disease or severe aplastic anemia, which is a one in three, three in one million disease. Um, Yeah, it's crazy. So mom came, I moved out of my West Village apartment with Dan and moved back to Florida. I went through the very intense process, not for everyone, but for me, because of my health of freezing my eggs. Um, I just wasn't strong enough to do it at the time. So it wound up making me a lot sicker. Um, it's typically not a traumatic experience for someone who wasn't in the same state that I was. And yeah, my, sis- my little sister was a 10 out of 10 match. And I received my bone marrow transplant December 22nd, 2011. So that was like day zero for me. Um, I got five days of intense chemo, wiped me out. I was in a negative pressure room for 30 days. And then I stayed in the surrounding area for three months. That was in Tampa, Florida at Moffitt Cancer Center. And then I stayed in Miami getting follow-up treatment where I'm from for the next year. And yeah, that was just, that was the beginning of what has been many years of re- growing my immune system from nothing, um, many trips in and out of the hospital,
2: and many tests and intense experiences. And what was
1: interesting is I, if you can imagine, I was inside for a little over a year, um, literally hospital back home, hospital back home. So. I was extremely isolated, as you said, like illness can be extremely isolating, and I just needed to get back to New York, like I couldn't take it anymore, mm. so I went from uh, about a year out from my transplant. I went up getting like a very terrible mouth infection, and was in the hospital for like three weeks did it they released me, I did a week of like intense treatment, and then moved right back to New York because i I just I wanted my life back so badly right. and I wanted to just get out so badly.
0: That was probably a shock to your immune system going back to New York.
1: Oh my God. It, yes. Like the biggest shock and in hindsight, <laughs> um, so much of like what I'm dealing with now is I think because I moved back to New York with no immune system. Like I couldn't mm-hmm. take the subway. I couldn't, I couldn't had one year left of school and I was determined to finish. I wanted my degree. And I literally would I went back to school. If you can imagine the fashion institute with like barely any hair growing. Like I lost all my hair. I had like a little like shaved head situation. And I'm like, I'm just getting my degree. Like I need I need to get my degree. And my Dan um had a technology business at the time and it was his business. So he had they had their own office in Tribeca and he was like, why don't you start coming in the office. Um, It was at that point that I launched my first blog, which was a dream that I sort of connected to during my transplant of like, I don't really want to work in fashion. This is not healthy for me mentally, physically, emotionally. Like, what do I really want to do with my life? What's the bigger purpose of all of this? And that's when I was like, Well, I'm gonna do the thing that I'm so scared to do, but I know like in my heart is what I have to do, which is start a blog and start writing and connecting, sharing. So I started that blog. It was called Jewels of a Dreamer. And I just started going into his office and working on my blog and then leaving for class and it got me out of the house, which was helpful. But little by little I started to actually start working at the office, just seeing where people needed help and, and where I could support and I had ideas for marketing and ways it could be functioning in the business in different ways. And so when I finished school, I just started working there full time. So I um, would work on my blog and, and work there. And over the years, I started to gain more and more responsibility. Keep in mind simultaneously, I'm like, still getting treatments. I get something called IVIG, which is intravenous immunoglobulin treatment. Cause I still at this seven plus years later, can't rebuild my own immune system. So I go get these treatments. I'm still getting sick all the time. Um, but I also like really, I see the potential and what he's creating and the business and I love him so much and I believe in him and his vision. So I just start like letting my energy go more and more in that direction. And in 2017, a lot of things started shifting in the company. Um, some of the the leadership stepped down, and I wound up stepping in as president of the company, which wow. was a very um, it was a really cool experience for me because I didn't know that I was good at business up until that point. Like I had never really been in a setting where I had the opportunity to like manage teams and make visions happen and um just create these products and take on the sales meetings. Like I actually it felt very like in the flow for me in terms of the work that I was doing. What wasn't in the flow was I was just pushing my body way past what what I could handle at that point. And this, the stress of running a multi million dollar company in Tribeca um just it was like 10 to 12 hour days back-to-back meetings, like, I I wound up putting all of my things to the side, my dream, my blog, everything that I had sort of been, like, working towards was, like, I just didn't have anything left over for it, and I wound up just sort of being, like, all right, all right, this is on pause, and after doing that for about six months, um, at that speed, I started to experience this excruciating pain in my jaw and Down my neck, and because of my jaw surgery, I went to the jaw doctor, thinking like, "Oh, it must be something with my surgery." Of course, they saw nothing. That weekend, I took three trips to the emergency room, and on the third one, I was diagnosed with something called ramsey Hunt syndrome, and I lost complete mobility on the right side of my face. Like, it it looked like I had a stroke. It's similar to Bell's palsy for those that are familiar with that. Um, It's just way more painful, and the healing period is a, uh, a lot longer. So, yeah, that was like my, my second wake-up call. And mm-hmm. these health experiences will definitely wake you up. So within a matter of months after that diagnosis, uh, because I was so involved in the company and, and Dan and I's other business partner, his dad had gotten really sick. So simultaneously when I was out of the office, he wound up being out of the office as well. Things just started to... This tornado, like our whole, my whole life, just started tornadoing. It was the stress of the company without me being there that it was putting on Dan. Um, we also were in the midst of planning our wedding, um, which was going to be that September. And in my Taurus, stubborn, tenacious personality, mm-hmm. I'm like, I am healing. This wedding is going forward. Mm-hmm. No way I'm canceling this. Like, sent out the invitations without literally no mobility on the right side of my face like I'm gonna be fine I'm gonna be fine I'm gonna be fine like I trust I trust the universe I trust this process like everyone was like just cancel it reschedule it and everything just sort of needed to come to a head I guess because within I wound up going back to work within like two months of that diagnosis like in meetings still like unable to function um trying to push forward and then weekend that would have been our wedding, which was September twenty second of seventeen, uh, we wound up closing the company down. Of course, we wound up canceling the wedding, um, and yeah, it was the beginning of like a whole new, just a race of like our life and starting over again. So that's um yeah, that's, that's sort of like that's the a stuff. It's so much and. Yeah. It's really hard to condense into, which is why writing it is so much easier because yes. it is a lot. It is a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think there are a lot, even even though my health journey is different and the listener's health journey might be different, I think there's so such a commonality, a through thread in that runs through a lot of our health journeys, and that is oftentimes we... Push through how sick we really are, and it becomes our new normal. And you mentioned that at the beginning. You just, you know, I'm just, I'm just always tired. This is just who I am, and I just have to find a way to cope with it. And in our trying to cope with with it, we're one denying that anything's going on, and not intentionally, but, um, but it becomes so part of who we are that you can't even see that you maybe are really sick, uh, and that then. I think often leads to sort of that breaking point because our bodies and our, our emotional bodies can only take so much. Um, and if we're not tending to it, um, then, then sort of the crash is sometimes the only thing that can help us sort of reset and focus on it. Um, and it's really sad that, that takes, it takes that sort of extreme for many of us to realize and wake up to what's really going on.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more with, with everything you just said. It's really like, and it's, and it's crazy to reflect and say like, I, there wasn't just one crash, there was multiple crashes because mm-hmm. I kept thinking like, no, I can function like everyone else. And like, it's almost like, for me at least, I didn't want to admit that I needed to rest that I needed to move slower, that I couldn't do what everyone else was doing and to actually be okay with that because it's just, I think in our society, we're just programmed to always be on and to always just be moving and going and pushing it to the next stage and wanting for more. And that programming is what made me crash over and over until I was just like, Oh, this is my life. And like, I might never be able to function at that. And like, I have to be okay with that. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And that I think is really, really challenging because like you mentioned, it just is ingrained in, in our beings that we have to go and push and struggle is like a badge of, of honor and stress is, is a sign that we are strong and there's not a lot of space for being sick. um, Because if you're sick, Then you need a diagnosis so that you can get your cure so that you can go back to being normal. Um, And for those of us with a chronic condition, being sick is our normal, but that's just not acceptable. Um, And so figuring out a way to start making it acceptable, even though it goes against a lot of the messages that we're receiving on a daily basis, can be sometimes harder than your actual symptoms um, because it's just every, everywhere you turn, you're getting the messages like, you, you know, are you better yet? Why aren't you better? Have you done this? You just have to keep pushing. You have to work. You have to don't stop. Um, and in doing that, we're prolonging our
1: suffering. Truly. And I think that's why podcasts like the one you've created are so important because it really is starting to create the conversation because it's like when you start seeing other people who are able to say and like stand in that place of I have chronic illness and this is my normal and this is okay and like setting that example it's like just one person saying it turns to two turns to three turns to hundreds it's like that's why um, these types of conversations are so important
0: I absolutely agree. And like you said at the beginning, once you start seeking them out, you find them. It's like this underground network of people who are sharing their actual truth. And then, so at the beginning, I felt like I was the only person that was suffering and I had to do it in silence. And I had a full time job and I was growing a health coaching business. And I can't be a health coach if I'm sick. Um, So I just sort of pretended. And it was like my deep, dark secret that only my boyfriend saw no one else in my life knew that I was suffering so badly. And it wasn't really until, like you mentioned, I could no longer function that I was willing or able or that anyone around me also would be entertaining the idea that this was true, um, that I had to do something about it. It was when I could no longer stand up without like tipping over or I couldn't see straight or I was getting lost on the way home from work because I just would like forget where I lived. Um, and it wasn't until it got that bad that it seemed real to doctors and my employers and even to me. Um, and, and I think I'm hoping as many of us are starting to have more of these conversations and talking about what it's truly like, that over time, maybe people won't have to get to that breaking point before they're able to start healing.
1: Yes, I am I, so hopeful that that can be the reality and that we can all come together as a community and support one another and to listen to one another because I think at the end of the day, the people, like, it's also really hard to say, like, I don't want anyone to know about this or, like, You know, it's such a vulnerable place to be when you are this sick. Mm -hmm. And it can be really hard to say, like, I am sick, and this is what it looks like, and in a sense, like you don't always know how people are going to respond, or in that vulnerable state, feeling like, How will they respond? Like, what will they think of me? Um, but from my experience, like I can totally relate to the hiding it as well, like even I actually told no one except my immediate family about my bone marrow transplant until like six months in. Wow. Like nobody, I didn't want anyone to know because to me, I just was like, this is going to happen to me and then I'll go back to my normal life. Again, like that societal programming, like, yeah, 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 I'll do this transplant. No big deal. NVD, no big deal. And then I'll just go back to normal life and like, I'll go back and like, do my thing. And what was really cool for me is like there are so many stories, like fear around sharing it. But once I did, the people that needed to drop out of my life did and the people that like really stepped up, it's like those relationships were transformed. So spreading the conversation with each other, like the, this chronic illness community, and then also supporting one another in sharing it with our family, with our friends, with our other community. because it's just an important conversation all around. Say like there's many different ways to live and to function and we're all unique and different and like really starting to break the conversation around this like go, go, go hustle mentality for everyone. For everyone, regardless of whether or not you're, you're regardless. living with illness. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, and and a lesson that I am forced to relearn almost on a daily basis is that there is no there to get to in my healing. Like there Mm -hmm. is no getting back to normal because like you mentioned, I've been sick my whole life. I just thought it was normal, but it, it, it might be sort of my daily experience, but there is, I and this is something I've been struggling with a lot recently because I got a diagnosis in the, in the last month or so that came out of nowhere um, and is a, a genetic, basically untreatable condition. Um, and so having to to sort of now wrap my head around it again, that there is no sort of, okay, I'm going to just do this one treatment. I'm just going to get this bone marrow transplant and then go back to school and just pretend like never, nothing ever happened. Like I'm having to, to find ways to live with this reality. Um, and it's not the life that I necessarily would have chosen or hoped for myself, but it is my life. And so I can fight against it or I can try and find a way to both be whole and be ill at the same time.
1: Yes, that is exactly the place that I'm in right now um, and have been moving through. It's like, this is it. This is life. And that's okay. Like, I surrender this experience and I trust this experience and the lessons that I'm learning from it. And how can I function in a way that makes me really feel fulfilled in my life and also allows me to heal? Like, no longer is it like, what do I need to do to go back to normal? Mm-hmm. What do I need to do to live normal again? It's like, no, this is, this is our reality. This is what life looks like. What do I really need to heal? And how can I make that possible for myself? And that I find is like the most powerful question that I've been asking myself. Like, okay, like right now I'm living in New York. And that's been really hard. Like, what would it look like and how could I move or create more space for healing in a warmer climate and a less stressful climate? And while I can't do that tomorrow, like, what can I do right now to create that space? Um, And what are the outlets that are helping me heal? Like, writing is a huge one. Sharing. Like, I don't write or share for any other reason besides it's like it just needs to come out of me Mm -hmm. and like I hope it reaches the right person like I hope the right person reads it it's extremely healing for me to write it um and it's like following that too like what what do you individually need to support your healing and to be happy and and feel inspired right now despite whatever else is kind of going on
0: yeah, I think that I agree. It's such a powerful question and it's one I forget to ask myself a lot of times, but in the moments where I can ask myself, what do I need to support my healing right now? It's a way to ground into the present moment. So you're, I sometimes do, I get to feel like I'm caught in between like trying to get back to a better day, like a day where I felt healthy and Fixating on the future. And so to be able to say, what do I need right now in this moment that will be supportive and nourishing? And it just, it's a really powerful tool to get grounded in your body, in your illness, in your wellness, and support yourself instead of getting caught in that trap of comparison and shooting all over yourself or just ignoring it altogether. You're like, well, I'm just going to power through.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, and for anyone listening, who's like, oh, I don't like, I ask myself and I don't hear anything. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. It's like, for me, the most helpful thing is like shutting off any means of comparison, getting off social, getting off all of the anything and literally just saying like, okay, universe. Okay. God, like whatever that is for you, whatever higher power you connect with. And just like, I surrender to you. I am ready for answers." please show me what I need to do to heal. Please like send me a sign. I'm here. Like for me, it's like, okay. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm just open.
2: Mm-hmm. Like I'm
1: just open and like ready to feel and hear the answers that need to come when, when I just hear silence.
0: Right. And, and for me, when I, when I'm feeling like I can't hear, hear my own intuition, um, it's going back to that breath. And I know this is an important part of your practice Yeah, um, is even just that simple moment. If you, you know, it can be 10 seconds, 30 seconds, 60 seconds where you just stop everything and remember to intentionally breathe to everything. Um, everything. Even if you don't then hear this like aha moment, if you can't hear that intuition, even just, what physically happens to your body when you take that pause that in itself is his healing so you don't need to hear that intuition always you can just breathe and know that you're supporting all parts of yourself in doing that
1: yes 100% 100% i um yes just the space that it creates it's um and and that space, like it truly, what it creates is silence actually. And mm-hmm. like the silence is what allows you to feel supported and like come back to yourself because yeah. we're just inundated with so much noise at all times of the day. So it's really that breath creates a silence, which creates a space. And it's like totally free and accessible at any moment, which mm-hmm. is just the kind of healing and the kind of tools that need to be shared right now.
0: Absolutely. And I think just being a human in this world is loud and noisy. Yes. (laughs) But then also layering on being a chronically ill person in this world, especially in the online world where everyone has a suggestion and a cure and the right juice to drink and the right thing to try. Being able to just tune it all out. is for me some of the most powerful healing because it's when you're struggling, you want to believe because it's part of what is keeping you going that there is a thing that's going to return you to that normal. Even though, if in your rational mind you know that's not true, still in your heart, at least for me, um, a part of me is always clinging to that idea. And so, if someone is saying, Oh, I you know, I have chronic Lyme, and I did this, and I got better. Or, you know, I have this genetic condition that you have, and this is how I healed it. Um, even, even if my rational mind isn't believing it, it's seeping in there, and that's the story that I'm spinning for myself. So, the more silence, the more I can actually be guided to do the things that are right for me.
1: I totally agree. Like we're all, we all want that hope, right? Mm-hmm. It's like. And it's so easy to have, like, a, a, essentially like a false sense of hope by the amount of information that you can find online and people sharing. And really helped me in this area is, like, information detox. Like, if you are, if you are any human, but especially someone who's dealing with chronic illness, it's, like, be very selective about the people that you follow, the information you're allowing into your space the books that you're reading, the, it's just the blogs you read. It's, it's so important because being chronically ill is being in a vulnerable state. It Mm -hmm. is wanting and, and craving that hope. And what do I need to do to just feel better? And yeah, we have to be so careful about the people we're listening to when we're answering those questions.
0: Absolutely. Cause it's really easy um, when you do feel like you are ill, it's easy to feel like you can't trust your own body or your own mm-hmm. choices or your own mind. And so therefore everyone else is the expert, um, which is the opposite of what is true. It makes sense why we feel that way. But, um, you know, the more, the more you can take a step back and not isolate cause that, that it definitely can go to that place. Yeah. Um, But I think what you, what you were saying is just be very selective and, and honest with yourself. Like I, there are definitely times where I'm, you know, I'm reading something and, you know, I'm reading about some, someone else's healing journey. And then I'll, you know, the next day be like, Oh, I think I should try that thing that person recommended. And I'm like, okay, let me just take a second, (laughs) really think about what I'm doing. Um, and also not think that their journey is my journey. Like, I'm not, you know, what worked for one person, that's awesome that it worked for them. But I can't hang my hat on that, that that's going to be my miracle
1: cure. Yes. And also on that note, just one thing that I think is so important to mention and that I definitely got caught up in myself is, you know, when we're trying to heal and to look into different things that we can utilize to support our healing not getting wrapped up in the what can be very expensive modalities that people are sharing, that they're saying, like, I use this treatment, I have this sauna, this, 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 and that's the key to my healing. Um, There are affordable ways to connect and, and find community and ways to heal, and it's just, it don't, (laughs) don't look at someone who's spending thousands of dollars on a machine or something and say like well if I just figure out how to get these thousands of dollars to purchase x y or z then that will heal me because
2: it's it's just possible to do within your means Um, yeah absolutely I thank you
0: for bringing that up because it's definitely I think again as you mentioned we're you're in a very vulnerable place which means it's very easy to get misled and you're you know everyone's sharing what's working for them and that's awesome and they are excited about it but then it does create that separation and that comparison and if only i could do this then i would be healed yeah and you that might work for you but it might not so i think finding ways that are affordable, that are attainable, that we can all also share. And that's why I think it's also important for those of us on this healing journey to be honest about those things because, you know, especially in an Instagram world, we want the best image and we want everything to to sort of be curated. Um, and sort of the, oh, Here I am just breathing. Well, that's not that sexy. Um, That's not going to get a lot of likes, right? So, you know, finding, you know, also amplifying the message of here are the everyday things, foods, practices, um, you know, that I do that are also supporting my health. There might be those, you know, those higher price point or those bigger time investment things or working with specialists, but then here's also just. When I'm home
1: alone, here are the things that I do. Yeah, I think that's so true and so important, 100%. Um,
0: so you have shared um, in your writing, it reflecting back on that experience um, of going through um, getting the, the bone marrow transplant, that, that looking back, you're able to see it as a blessing. Um, and this is something that I really, honestly, have a hard time wrapping my head around. Um, and I definitely wanted to explore with you because, I I want to be there, uh, but most days I feel like my illness is a curse, and and so I'm really interested to hear how you can reflect back and sort of reframe your experience so that it's it's a more em- empowering sort of supportive thing instead of where my brain goes, which is the curse part of it.
1: Yeah, I totally. I know that um, I wrote the title of that blog post uh, for anyone, for everyone listening is how a bone marrow transplant was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I stand by that title. So I'm really glad that you asked me this question. I'd love to chat about this. Um, I think it's really sort of the default to be in the place that you're at. And Mm -hmm. I was in it as well for a really long time and being, I am still in it. But right. now I can look back, you know, my, my transplant's been, uh, like I said, a little over seven years. Um, it's been about two years since my Ramsey Hunt diagnosis. I can just look back on my life and see myself going in this trajectory. I decided when I was eight years old, I was going to move to New York and that I was going to work in fashion, mm-hmm. like love devil wears Prada, the whole thing. Like, I had this whole image of this woman that I was going to be when I moved to New York. And I was on track to do that and getting sick. Like I just look at it like I had two roads to go down, A and B, and I was going down A and it was the wrong road. And I needed this disruptive thing to happen to me for the universe to shake me into the right path. And for me, that is like, I mean, I have like chills thinking about it because it's, We get one shot at this. Like, this is it. This is our life. Mm -hmm. And to know that I was going down this path that just was so misaligned and I was just so clueless to it, to going through this intense health experience to be put on this path where I can actually get vulnerable and share my story and have a positive impact on others and do what you're doing, which is creating conversation around this. And talk about the ways we can support each other. And also what, it, what the transplant did for me was it connected me to my passions, not to what I thought I needed to be doing, not to what I thought looked good on paper or what other people would be impressed with, but like truly what I wanted to do with my life. What was gonna light me up? What could I do that was just going to be the thing that I could wake up and do every day? And like, it took me getting sick to know that, to say like, I'm really scared of putting myself out there, but like starting a blog and starting to write and share about all my passions and not feeling like I have to pick one thing to be interested in. Like throughout my whole transplant, I worked on my first blog. Like I would put these collages together, laying in bed and cut up magazines and like create Pinterest boards and think about what kind of blog posts I would write. Like it really fueled me and it was so healing and I wouldn't have connected to that if not for my illness and not for that Forced slow time that getting sick makes you sort of just have to accept, like, okay, I'm sick. I have to slow down. I'm spending a lot of time inside. Like, what can I do right now that feels good? And then I I started my blog. It started opening up so many doors for me because I was being very authentic to me and following my heart and following my passions and started to make really amazing friendships, something that was really lacking in my life. I felt before that, um, like people that I really like, felt connected to on a soul level. Uh, started connecting with great brands and like going to events and having community and starting this vlog was the first outlet of that. And none of that would have happened if I didn't get sick. None of that would have happened. Nothing that I'm doing right now would be possible if I didn't get sick. So, in terms of like that's my transplant. That is how I feel. In terms of like the Ramsey Hanna moving through. I wanna be like totally honest. Like I have days where I am in that space of like, I just want my face to come back. I just want to feel like myself again.
2: Mm -hmm. I
1: just want to heal. I you know, I just wanna like feel good. And then I have other days where I'm just like so like surrendered and trusting of this experience. Like I see even being in it and like being reminded of it as anyone with illnesses, every time they look in the mirror, I can still see like If not for Ramsey Hunt, I might still be working at the company. Dan and I might still have our company and I might still be dedicating all my time to that. I might never have relaunched as what is now my blog and like the work I'm doing, which is called the dreamery. Like, If not for Ramsey Hunt, if not for this illness, if not for all of my health stuff, I wouldn't be doing anything I'm doing. And everything I'm doing now are things that just light me up more than anything I've ever done. Mm -hmm. So connecting to the light within it and like again it's like being sick creates that stillness connecting to our breath creates that silence and like that's when we can start to like and it's not going to be like give me the answers and they just suddenly start flooding in it's like you just start ideas just start popping in your head um like random things like fly out books fly off the bookshelf like you just start to become more aware and it starts leading you down like what would feel really good right now? Like, how could I share? How could I connect? How can I utilize this experience and connect with others? Um, yeah. Does that, does that answer? Do you have any other?
2: Yeah, I think,
0: thoughts? um I think it is a really good way of taking your power back because one of the things that, that I have struggled with in, in my own journey is feeling like I don't have a choice in all of this like I didn't I didn't want this to happen to me I didn't you know, I didn't want your experience to happen to you I it would be great if we were all blissfully healthy and happy all the time Um, So it can feel like you have no power and it sounds like in you sharing sort of how you have reframed it and really allowed yourself to To look at these moments as pivot points You are taking your own power back in these experiences and you're not denying that they aren't hard and they don't suck sometimes um, but it's a way to move through it where you're you're able to focus on the the good parts about it while also not denying the dark parts about it and i think that is a really powerful message in that there can be the light and the dark it's not i'm sick all the time or i live you know on a rainbow with unicorns you've you found a way to navigate and find the power In the crappy moment.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I really, that is my intention. And that is, you said it beautifully. Like they can coexist. The light and the dark can coexist. And every day is going to feel different. And I just, the days that I wake up and I'm feeling inspired and creative, like I just sink into that. And I'm like, yes, this is it. And then other days I wake up and I'm like, I feel really depressed today. And like, I really don't want to get out of bed. So I'm just going to do what I can today. (laughs) I'm just gonna I'm gonna like show up I'm gonna do my practice I'm gonna breathe I'm gonna take a bath I'm gonna walk I'm gonna do all the things I might not feel any different but I just accept like I I move with the ebbs and flows of it and I really try to as you said hold my power in despite whatever it is that's being thrown at me Um, because a lot of it is I just have a like a big vision of like what I want to do with my life and figuring that out, like that I can be sick while going after my dreams. Like that's okay. I can do all the things I want to do. It might take me a little longer. I might move a little slower, but I can do anything that I set my mind to and that I believe I can do. Like it's all possible. So yeah, sick or not, like everything is available to us in the same way that a perfectly healthy person might experience and and also everyone has their shit like mm-hmm. everyone is going through their shit in some right. way so yeah if you don't believe in you that's right. that's the first order of business
0: absolutely and i think you know someone listening might not you know have had this like super health low that was their pivot point but i think we all can relate to these moments where you do feel like you have two roads in front of you and something happens that makes you choose the other path. It could be losing a job unexpectedly or, you know, a relationship not working out or, you know, you had a dream and then you achieved it and you realized it wasn't your dream anymore and now you have to pivot. So I think I think embedded in that, like, your thing might have been your your bone marrow transplant. My thing is my chronic illness, but someone else's thing could be not connected to health at all. Um, but it is, you know, finding the, the power in those moments um, and allowing ourselves to pivot, which can lead us to what is a much more fulfilling existence.
2: Yeah. And
1: honestly, it's so hard to see when you're in it, but those moments, those like, when you're just on the floor and you're like, this is a rock bottom, if you will, like, it's just not, like, this isn't what I wanted, this isn't what I imagined, this isn't what I was working for, like, as shitty as those moments are, they are, like, the most powerful moments of our life, and can actually, like, almost, like, almost every time they're the launching point for, like, an incredible new chapter, Mm -hmm. if we stay open to it.
0: Yeah, and I think something that, um, I appreciate about how you deliver these topics is that you're not, you don't gloss over the hard parts. Recently, um, you had an Instagram post where you were talking about, you know, recording videos and then watching them back and deleting them and crying because you felt like you couldn't share that. And you're looking at your face and you're like, why can't it just go back the way it was? Yeah. And, and mourning that. And I think that's really important to share both the lessons that you're learning along the way but also the, the honesty in the struggles because that's that's what allowed me to connect with you. And that's what I think is missing in a lot of other delivery. It's like, oh, this happened. I'm not gonna talk about the bad parts because I don't want to give power to them. I'm just gonna talk about all of the wonderful, beautiful things I learned and how my life is so much better
2: now. Yeah, no. And, life and, is so real hard.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that just doesn't, it doesn't, resonate with me um because it it is that balancing that light in the dark and finding ways to show up just in your like everyday human life but then also if you have an online version of your life also finding ways to show up honestly there too where you're not where you're being honest um and trying not to curate but also trying to curate it's like a very delicate balancing act um but yeah. I think it's so important to share those moments because that's when you're human and that like I read that post and cried and I I do the same things, although I, I have a very different struggle than you. But I you know, I don't show up as often online as I feel like I want to, because I will record something and then look at the video and I am dealing with um a pretty severe Rash of some sort all over my face and I have been it's been getting progressively worse for several years and we can't figure out what's wrong with it So I look at myself and that's all I can see So I do what you sometimes do which is delete it and then cry about it and that's real Um, and there there isn't shame in sharing that experience
1: Not at all. Not at all. There's no shame. Um And that post that I wrote, you know, it took me a long time to get the courage also to write Mm -hmm. that and share. So, you know, I think when you are moving through this, it is, as you said, how do I curate? How do I share? But I'm not ready to share. You know, I I talk with clients who are also working, uh, moving through chronic illness. And it's like, well, if you look at my Instagram feed, everything, my life looks perfect. No one has any idea. And that is also okay. if, like, you're not ready to share. Right. You know, I think it's like, share when you're ready. And that's like, for me, that post was just like, I had been going through a few weeks of just being really depressed and just feeling really lost and taking, wanting to show up more and share my message more and show up online more. But as I wrote, and as you shared, watching those videos and then just crying, like, How do I look like this? How did this happen to me? Like, Mm -hmm. how did this happen to me? And just like being in that space. And then at some point after just feeling really depressed for a few weeks, I was like, God, I just, I surrender this. Like I'm, I don't know how to move through this right now. And like I'm just open to whatever I need to do to move through it. And then like two days later, I was like taking a shower and like it just popped in my head, like, you need to share this. Like you just need to write a post and share. And that was really healing for me. And I just like allowed, like, it just came and, and um that intuition, that intuitive hit. And I think that's why it resonated with people too, because I didn't like force it. Like it just needed to come out. And and here and there, I've been playing around with some video again. It's, it's still scary. Like it's still really scary to show up and do video. And I have moments where I'm in surrender and then I have moments where like, I'm so jealous of this person. Their whole face is working. <laughs> like, I'm so jealous that like they are just living their life and get healthy. And and I give myself that moment too.
0: Yeah. And that is s- such an important, um, I think point in that both moments are real and true and totally okay. And to celebrate and honor, whichever moment you're in, like I, um, on Monday, I, am, I took this week off of work because I really needed sort of some downtime and to recalibrate a little. Um, and so I had plans. like I had no plans on Monday. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stay in bed all day and watch movies and rest. And then I woke up Monday and I was like scrolling through like Netflix to find something to watch. I'm like, I actually am feeling okay today. I don't think I need to stay in bed all day. And being able to honor that and like get up and do things around the house, even simple things like doing laundry, which usually takes a lot of effort for me. Yeah. Um. And celebrating that, even if I'm just celebrating it with myself, then also you know yesterday, um, as I shared before we started recording, I had to go and get a test done, and it took a lot out of me. And I had therapy right after that, so it's like just a lot. Um. And so also honoring like I can have a good day on Monday and a harder day on Tuesday and both are real and that's okay
1: yes yes and not saying like I love how you adapted because I think the other thing dealing with chronic illness is like you want to feel some sort of like normalcy so you're like okay this is what my Monday will look like I'll get xyz done Monday this done Tuesday this done Wednesday this done blah blah. you know you're creating these deadlines and these scheduling and it's like that's fine like I you know part of my work is The clearing space and like Mm -hmm. I love being organized and but also like moving things around being like I actually don't need to lay in bed today like maybe this weekend I will I'll make some space for that but like today I have the energy and like that you honored that and you shifted in accordance like so much of this journey really is checking in with ourselves saying this is what I need and then being okay with that despite what like anyone else has to say or might mm-hmm. think or, um, yeah, it's, it's honoring that. Well, and yeah, I think illness
0: is a masterclass in surrender. Like you have yes. no choice. It's oh
1: so beautifully said, yes.
0: I mean, every day in every way, like your choice is to struggle through it or surrender. And that doesn't mean it goes away or it gets easier. It just, you're not fighting against it so hard.
1: Oh, Yeah, so beautifully said.
0: Um, so on that note, what are what are some ways other than literally saying I surrender this? Mm-hmm. What are some some tools, some resources, some things that you do when you're you're sort of stuck in that cycle and you you do need to surrender it, but you're just you know you have that tight grip on it. And it's it seems impossible in that moment to let go.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely getting outside, fresh mm-hmm. air is like just walking um getting into some sort of nature I mean I live in Brooklyn like it's not like it's in abundance but finding a park and just getting out of my own space mm-hmm. is extremely helpful um uh, my number one tool that I do every single day that helps to shift my state is uh kundalini yoga I'm currently in teacher training for that and it's been a huge part of my healing journey um, and again, like that combines the mantra and the breath work and the movement, which really helps to support just moving the internal energy around. And there's so many different practices depending on physical capability and energy that day. So for me, that's like a non-negotiable. Even if I'm like really just depressed and I can't get out of my own way, I, I do my practice.
2: Mm.
1: So that's um, really important for me. Um, taking a bath. Is really helpful and healing for me, journaling,
2: therapy, mm-hmm. asking for support, seeing a friend, um, taking myself out and just going
1: to get a tea and it's like shifting the environment is so powerful. We're using movement to shift our energy, breath to shift our state, getting outside if we can, um, seeing someone that we feel really good hanging around, breathing. It's like all of the, <laughs> the, of the free yeah. the free resources. Um, and then again, it's like all doing all those things, like they may help. They may help a little. They may help a lot. They may not help at all. And it's just like being okay with this is where I'm at right now. Like I'm just not getting as much work done. I'm not showing up exactly how I would like, but that's okay because I'll show up when I can. And uh, underneath that is all of those practices that I just um, that I just shared.
0: In you sharing how you have this this daily practice where you're showing up for yourself, you know, to the best of your ability in any moment is really can be really powerful and is definitely lacking in my I think own life because I think it's a way that you are committing every day to yourself and. And both having that daily practice, but also allowing for that state of flow and surrender and flexibility, so that it it can, might look different every day, but you know you do some sort, some version of a Kundalini practice every day. I think for any of us that are struggling through anything right now, finding that grounding thing is is really powerful. And I'm really happy that you shared that because it was like a light bulb moment for me to like think about what could be my. Daily way of showing up for myself um, that's not rigid but is is nourishing and supportive.
2: Yeah, it's
1: a really really powerful and important question. And I have a very simple meditation that I have a blog post on I can share with you. And even when I've been in the hospital, I still do it. Even if it's three minutes, um, it could be one minute. There's just so many practices, and, and as you said, it's that anchor for me, and it just brings me back, just brings me back home, brings me back to my heart, brings me back in my body. And yeah, it's just that, that conscious breath, so.
0: Yeah, and I would think in the moments, like the example you just used of, even in the hospital, I try and do this. I think that can also be really empowering because as, as we've mentioned time and time again in this conversation, trying to return to that, that, that former state of normal that we sort of have to let go of, but in a moment where is you know a high stress moment where you're in the hospital, being able to to have some sense of of normalcy and like I'm going to do this practice that I do at home, and it's going to allow me to feel a little bit more in control and more like myself um, can be I, I'm thinking really helpful and healing in those those high stress moments.
1: Yeah, I, I think that those high stress moments too. It's like those are the moments it's more important than ever to stand for your needs Mm. and to really speak up because you'll never regret speaking up like even when I was going through my transplant like I completely just disagreed with the nutrition aspect of how they were feeding patients and I stood up for that like I stood up for needing my practice I stood up for the way I needed my hospital room to look and crystals and things that I needed to bring in and you know that's that's one example there's examples working with clients where they have family who doesn't really understand what they're dealing with or they look fine so they must be fine and Mm -hmm. it's really stretching that muscle of like you know and it's not like an aggressive thing it's just like this is what I need I hope you can respect this and having like a conversation about it. And um, it's been my experience that it actually is beneficial for both you and the other person you're speaking with because they have no idea. So it helps to teach them um, what could be supportive and you feel supported back.
2: Absolutely. And and
0: one struggle that that I have been working through um, is – is that speaking up and that sharing and then also asking for what you need because we, illness or not, so often we are frustrated because we're, we're feeling like our needs aren't met, but also so often our needs are not being met because we're not able to clearly articulate them because part of us maybe thinks we don't deserve them or they're not gonna be able to meet them, so why say it?
1: Yeah, exactly. And hoping the other person's a mind reader.
0: Exactly. And then faulting them when they are not.
1: Yes. Um,
0: and so I just had an, a really helpful, empowering example of this in my workplace, um, because I, I work a traditional nine to five job um, while trying to manage this illness thing. Um, and I have mobility issues. And I last year was able to park closer to my building. Um, but then that you know, my doctor's note expired and I was embarrassed to have to ask for another one. And I thought, well, I look fine on the outside and, you know, I'm um, in my mid thirties and who am I to need to take a parking spot closer to the building? And I'm, I should be able, I should be stronger than that. Um, but then in talking to my rheumatologist, he's like, you really need to park closer to the building. Like, okay, I'll go to HR and I'll ask about it and i had created this whole story in my head about how they were going to think i can't do my job and i'm weak and all of this stuff um but i went i handed my doctors note she's like okay you could park yeah. from now until your last day of employment however long that might be um and it was like not an issue at all but i had agonized over communicating what i what was a simple realistic need um and I got what I needed and I feel so much better for it and they were happy to be able to provide me what I needed.
1: That was like a perfect example because the way that unfolded is the way that it will unfold for majority of us and I think we all ill or not we spend so much time creating stories in our mm-hmm. head of how someone's going to react or feel or what they'll think or what they must be thinking and At the end of the day it's like no one's thinking anything like we're all worried about ourselves we're all thinking of you know what what we need it's just human nature and even though it's really scary like standing up and like starting to flex that muscle of speaking up for our needs i think at least in my experience because i was someone who never stood up for my needs always wanted to make the other person comfortable and make sure that everyone else felt supported and taken care of and but when i started actually flexing that muscle and started seeing like oh like, this is no big deal. Like, like, people are happy to support, they're willing to help. They're, they're uneducated and what you might be going through, and the information is, is helpful for them to know too. It's like, there it doesn't need to be a story. Right. And it wastes so much of our energy too.
0: Absolutely. And even if our needs aren't met 100% of the time, at least what we're doing is showing up for ourselves 100% yeah. of the time and asking.
1: That's ev- and that's everything. Because mm-hmm. that's like, again, beginning of this conversation, like that trust, that intuition. It's like right. when we really trust ourselves, that's where we start to connect more to our bodies and our intuition and create the trust in every area. Trusting like this is where we're at and like that's okay. Trusting what our needs are. Trusting where we're getting inspiration. Like just trusting it all.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and when you are flexing that trust muscle, that that's absolutely when that intuition or those signs um, can be received because if you don't trust yourself, then you're not going to trust those gut hits. You're not going to notice any of those
1: that signs. You're just closed off to everything. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. It's um, a fun test, actually. It's really fun to experiment with. Because, it.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, and- Also, knowing that you're not going to get it, you know, in quotes right all the time. Like, I don't, there are moments where I am so, so in the flow with myself and trusting myself and hearing those gut hits and following them. And there are other moments where it's like radio silence and that's okay. And then I I have to reconnect to my breath and the stillness and, you know, bust out my journal or talk to a friend. Um, But it's knowing. Um, that both are okay and flowing with it when it's flowing and then trying to unblock it when it's not flowing.
1: Yep, exactly. And nothing's permanent. Like even mm-hmm. the moments where you hear nothing and you're like, is anyone listening? Everything's going wrong. I feel terrible. It's like it's just a moment in time. Like nothing's permanent. So this too shall pass.
0: Yeah, and as as simple an idea that as that is, I think it is, it can be everything in the moment. The happy moments are great and we can celebrate them. And the painful moments are painful, but both are temporary. Yep. And, and being okay with that is really how you can move through whatever you're trying to move through right now with more ease and more grace and more space.
1: Beautifully said. Uh,
0: Well, I have, Loved every single thing about this conversation Um, I've been really happy to connect more um, with you because like I said at the beginning I connected so deeply with with your written word. So I knew I had to talk talk through with you Um, And I would love to close out our conversation asking you some of the closing questions I usually ask all of my guests Um, Some of them are more quick fire than others. Others are a little bit more deep like this first one Um, If you could go back and talk to your
2: 15-year-old self, what would you tell her? I would tell her to – wow, this is a really great question. I would tell her to
1: stop trying to grow up so quickly, to enjoy
2: this moment in her life, spend more time with her friends and having fun and that everything is going to work out. That is such a beautiful message.
0: Thank you. That's yeah, a great stop, question. Stop trying to grow up so fast. I mean, how different our experience could have been if we had heard and, and believed that message. Um, yeah. And, and it's even a good message for us to remember now. It is, yes. Think, <laughs> how about we just ground into to this moment and not trying to get, get to that there that we we can't get to anyway
1: um we're trying to go back that's just never gonna happen
0: right and just yeah just be here i mean how powerful is that
1: yeah thank you for that message thank you
0: um what is a book um that you absolutely love
1: oh my god i love the book that i'm reading right now and it's called it's not your money by tasha silver and it is rocking my world It's so good. Yeah, it's about, I'm really working on healing my relationship with money and prosperity and uh, finances in general. And it has been just a transformative book. And I am only like halfway through it. But it is essentially about releasing the experience of money to the divine. And, And I think anyone just, I highly recommend reading it if you are focusing on Healing your relationship with money. Which I think
2: is a
0: pretty common thing we all Yeah. um, We all use a little more healing around our relationship to money. So I'll definitely link to it in the show notes so that we can all check it out.
1: Yeah, check it out. I feel like I wasn't ready up until this point. Like Mm -hmm. I was almost in denial. Like, no, I feel like I'm good. I'm good. But there's something about for anyone, but for my in my experience, something about starting a business on your own that really starts to bring things up. So Mm -hmm yes, it's been very supportive and I probably can think of other ones, but that's what I'm reading right now. And it's so good.
2: Great. Thank you. Um,
1: What's
0: something that makes you smile even in the moments where you feel like you will never smile again?
1: (laughs) Uh, My fiance sends me a lot of like cat videos Mm. and like memes and things, and they just make me, I mean, he makes me laugh a lot. so even when I'm in my lowest, like, he's just very funny. So I, him always, but really, like, I'll get these funny messages and, like, these videos, and they just, like, make me laugh. Mm -hmm. I just really love them. It's a really fun part of the internet, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. (laughs)
1: Um, So
0: the name of this podcast is Rethinking It, and I think throughout the conversation, we've talked a lot about rethinking our, our experience with chronic illness, but is there something um, that you never thought would change about either your thinking or your day-to-day
2: life, then it actually did change? So much. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Let me think of something. Um,
1: Yeah. I feel, I feel like I'm, I've been someone who, like I mentioned, like the, the advice for my 15 year old self, not growing up so fast. Like I I did grow up very quickly Mm -hmm. and felt like I was an adult from a very young age, so thought that I knew the answers to everything, and just aging has made me rethink everything. It's made Mm. me rethink what is important in my life, um, really what I want my life to look like, what I want my relationship to look like, what I want the healing journey. Everything has been sort of pushed on its head, just experiencing life and being open to life. And also being really clear with myself, not what I think will look cool or what everyone else is doing or what worked for someone else, but like what I really want for my life has been the big rethinking it.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, there couldn't be anything I think more important than that.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I tend to agree.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, it's been a pleasure getting to know you more and thank you for both this conversation being so real and being willing to talk about the lessons and the struggles and um, how you also share about it in the written form. I think it's, it's really healing for me, um, and I, I'm certain it's healing for other people, and, and I know it's healing for you too. And so I think um, these conversations are just so important, and I'm grateful that we were able to have it together.
1: Me too. Thank you so much. It was such a joy speaking with you, and I look forward to continuing to connect was a really wonderful conversation and I'm so glad we had it.
0: Me too. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's
0: episode of Rethinking It. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd be so grateful if you could subscribe, if you wouldn't mind rating it or leaving a short review. It's the number one way that other people can find the podcast. So if you're finding value in it, along with sharing it with your friends and family, strangers in line at the grocery store, um, it would be really great if you could subscribe to the podcast and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts.